0: How you folks doing today and welcome to Cuyahoga Today, a podcast by the Cuyahoga County Democratic Party. I'm Congressional Candidate and your host Matt Deemer. In this week's episode, we sit down and talk to Judicial Democratic candidates Ray Trasick and Fallon Marie Radigan, both of whom are vying for the John Satula seat. This episode is with Ray Trasic. However, if you want to listen to the interview with Fallon Marie Radigan, it's also in your feed, wherever you're listening to this, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast, as well as on YouTube. And if you want to reach out to me, M-D-I-E-M-E-R at C-U-Y-D-E-M.com. That's M-D-E-M-E-R at K-I-D-E-M.com. Again, this episode is with Democratic Judicial Candidate Ray Trasic. And in your feed, there's also an interview with Fallon Marie Radigan. Enjoy i Thank you very much for coming into this podcast in the middle of a
1: blizzard. <laughs> it's great to be here, Matt. Yeah, it is nasty outside. It is, it's horrible. For anybody that's going to watch this later on, it's it's probably about four or five, six inches and still coming down.
0: And it's still coming down and we're stupid enough to do this today, but you know that's what? Right. We want to make sure that everybody got information of this race. You are running for a Court of Common Pleas right. judge. Uh, who else is in this race is Fallon Marie Radigan. Mm-hmm. And uh, my first question to you, sir, is why do you want to run for a judge?
1: Well, you know, Matt, uh, when I started off my career, this was really not, not part of the plan, right? You get involved practicing law because you want to help people. I mean, you feel idealistic that way, but that really is the reason a lot of people get into it. But over the course of 28 years, I've been doing this 20 and a half years, uh, all those experiences, you know, they, they point you in a certain direction, and you get to a point in your career and a point in your life where you wonder, what has all this been for? And I've said this a number of times on the campaign trail. You, know? you look back at the successes and the failures you've had in your, in your life and the lessons you've learned in your life and the successes and the failures you've had in your career and the lessons you've learned in your career, and you hope they've, they've, they've led you to something. right? What's it all been for? What's, what's the point of this all been for? Uh, so you get to a point in your life and your career, and you figure, this is, this is what everything's led me to. And this is where you can take all those experiences. I think that's the most important thing, taking all those experiences to the bench.
0: So tell me about your your life Your and what led you to this. Uh, introduction to yourself, your background.
1: Yeah, so um, I got started practicing law, like I said, 20 and a half years ago. I was a solo practitioner. Did whatever came in the door just to keep that door open. Where'd you go to school? Uh, undergrad, went to Hiram. Uh, okay. I have an, an MBA from Case Western Reserve. And then I went to law school after that at Akron. Yeah. Gotcha. gotcha. So uh, how am I shingle at, man? When I first started, I was it was uh, myself and about five other solo practitioners and learned how to practice the law the hard way, right? Mm-hmm. Just going out there and being in court every day and doing what you need to do to, like I said, to keep that door open. Mm-hmm. Uh, spent some time as, as an assistant county prosecutor as well for six years. The most rewarding part of my career. I've said this a million times. Uh, I was in charge of the drug courts, the felony drug court, misdemeanor juvenile drug courts, treatment courts. Uh, to know that you can spend that time and, and really help some individuals who really don't need to be in the system. They're not, you know, they're in the system because of of challenges that they're struggled with, not because they're bad people. Mm-hmm. And to be able to help people like that, it truly, truly was uh, the most rewarding part of my career. And, and, and treatment courts are, are something that I think are, are a fabulous tool that we've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, I uh, spent some time as assistant attorney general uh, for the state of Ohio, and then I've been working here in Cleveland for the last uh, 15 years uh, doing civil litigation. So I've got all aspects covered. I mean, a lot of people don't realize we talk a lot about the criminal aspect because that's, that's the part that is pr- pretty much the, uh, the one everybody hears about in right. police court. Right, right. But, you know, any, any judge that's out there has just as many civil cases as criminal cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and I've done both. I've done the civil and I've done the criminal. And chances are, I mean, I hope it never happens, but chances are, if you ever come to court, it's probably going to be because you're suing somebody <laughs> or being sued, not because uh, of anything else. I hope
0: I am not going to court. I hope you're not there either. One um, question I've been asking uh, all of the judges during yeah. these conversations is, if you were going to give your job a, a JD, a job description, what what would it say for the common pleas judge? What what would be on
1: your job description? My job description, what I, what I would do. So, I think part of what is important for a common pleas court judge. Let's, let's let's back up for one second. Mm-hmm. Anybody that's in court, aside from the lawyers and the judge, anybody that's in court. Really doesn't want to be there. I mean, it's kind of like your worst day, Right. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, if you're the if you're the the, the defendant, if you're the victim, uh, if you're suing somebody, if you're being sued, you really don't want to be there. Right. Right. So I think it's the judge's jo- job. Part of the judge's job is to make sure that everybody understands that when they come in there, we talk a lot about fairness and justice and equity and all that. Um, but it's really true. It's to make sure that everybody who's in that courtroom truly understands that that what is happening in there is is fair to everyone. Mm-hmm. You know. And I talk a lot about empathy and understanding what's important to everybody. In the courtroom. Um, but a lot of times, you know, like any time else in your life, a lot of times there are people that just want to be there and, and go to court. They just want somebody to listen to them, mm-hmm. right? Um, somebody to understand what their problems are, try and help them resolve their problems. Uh, and to the point that you can help facilitate that with the parties that are involved, uh, whatever case it may be, criminal or civil, I think that's part of the judge's job as well.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I know you touched on this briefly about, you know, why you want to work in common pleas, but look, it, uh, I, I I see I see a lot of people going from prosecutor to judge. I see a lot of defense attorneys uh, to judge or juvenile. Uh, but you're working in, in private practice right now, and I would I would assume private practice is probably pretty good, right? It's okay. Yeah. It's yeah. Okay. It's, so, but so then why would you want to go and be a judge now? Like, what? I mean, I understand like some point of your career, but this is, seems like you know. I don't don't know. Just like
1: explain that to us. So I think I think it's you know for me I think it's the right time of my career. Gotcha. I mean, like I started when when we when we started the conversation. You know, you start practicing law, you go out and practice law because you really want to help people and make a difference in, in their lives and in their community. Uh, and when I started, I did a lot of indigent work. I did mm-hmm. a lot of criminal work for people that uh, couldn't afford a lawyer themselves. You know, uh, what I tell people is uh, when you watch a TV show and they say, if you can't afford a lawyer, the court will appoint one for you. That was that, me. That was you. That was me. That was me. Um, and, you know, and that, that wasn't very lucrative either. I mean, we were making at one point in time $100 a case not a hundred dollars an hour, hundred dollars a case. Okay. Uh, so we weren't, ma- weren't making a lot of money doing, doing that, but you were doing it for the experience. You're doing it because there were people that you genuinely want to help. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And those are the stories that I can still tell today. I mean, those are the ones that are most impactful on me, the ones that hopefully were most impactful on, on the clients that I had. But it's kind of come full circle now, right? It's come full circle where you really do want to give back to your community. And I keep going back to the, you know, the experience. And it's not so much the experience is touting my resume, But as much as the experience is what you bring to the bench i mean uh i've heard people say you know people want judges that have a little bit of gray in their hair right and you know that 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 there might be some truth to that too they want people that are experienced both in life and in in the practice Uh, Yeah, that's true uh and in all aspects right in all aspects because when you're there you want to make sure the i think you want to make sure that the person that's there really understands where you're coming from and can have maybe some of the same life experiences as you uh on both sides so yeah it's really at this point in my career it's going back to where i started from and really being uh able to help people that are in the in the public sector uh getting back help help the community and it's more than just i think the job itself mm-hmm. you know i I've, I've said this a number of times too there's a tremendous responsibility that comes along with oh, yeah. this position Oh yeah. uh and it's uh and it's it's I mean, the word I use is very specific. A lot of people say that judges have a lot of power. It's a lot of responsibility. It's a lot of responsibility right. that you, that the voters, right, are giving us uh, and, and hiring us for. You're hiring us for a job that has a, that kind of responsibility. Um, but that responsibility, I think, also translates into the community, too. So it goes beyond the courtroom. And a lot of candidates and a lot of us are out there right now campaigning and getting to know our community. Uh, things, places, going places and doing things we've probably never done before uh, in, this, in this county, which is a great thing. And it's great to, under, to take all those experiences to the bench. Um, but, uh, but I think it's also important that, that we become, uh, continue to become members of the community and our role models right as well a lot of elected officials are role models and you see them out there all the time in the community sometimes you don't see so many judges and maybe that's a it's a good thing that we get back out there and be those role models so that especially the youth right especially the youth that they can see uh, uh people in positions like this in elected positions giving back to the community uh and even as, as something that they could aspire to Great. right not so much that they 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 figure that wow the judge is somebody that's you know is uh, is putting somebody in my family to jail or somebody that, you know, didn't help, you know, my, my family member that, you know, was victimized or you don't want that. I think what you want is somebody that can uh, the community and especially the youth of, of our community to be able to see judges in a way that they can look look at them as role models and not adversaries.
0: So this is going to be a I'm a I'm definitely this is going to be a leading question because sure. I'm going to tell you a story before or uh, yeah a little story beforehand is you know when I was when I was a juvenile I, I've been to juvie court and I yeah. and there been to seen judges yeah. and you always knew which judges cared and which ones didn't and when you went in there and there were certain judges that just didn't give a shit they they looked at you they threw them a book at you. They just you know you're just another process on on their day, right? And there was judges that knew your case. Maybe if you were repeat, they knew you. They would tell, you, ask you about your day, ask you what you've been doing. Have you achieved this? Have you not achieved this? And it was really it, it showed that they gave they gave a shit, right? Right? They cared a little bit. You know, you you said that it's a responsibility, and that we're hiring you. And I am a voter in Cuyahoga County that uh, this vote is going to hire you to do this job. How are you going to? How are you going to be as a judge and, and what kind, how are you going to, if you are going to be the latter judge that cares and actually pays attention, to sees, sees, tries to help people through their path of life, through mistakes that they might have, how are you going to display that to
1: them? So, you know, it gets back to what I said earlier about, about you know, listening and being engaged, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes when people come to court, um, well, let's, let's back up for a second. You know, lawyers, judges, we speak a foreign language mm-hmm. in court. One that, you know, nobody else understands because you've you've never been through it and it can be very intimidating. For anybody that comes into court that's never been there before or somebody that's just there one one, one or two times. So it can be a very intimidating process. So I think you have to make people feel comfortable in that environment, right? And one that's very foreign to them. They've never been there before. Like I said before, you know, it's probably not the best day of your life that you're in there. No matter matter who it is that's in there. So, yeah, you do need to be engaged. You do need to understand what's important to the people that are there and talk to them and get to know them as much as you can, right? And especially the younger people that come in. I mean, you have to, like you said, you got to understand that people care. Mm-hmm. You have to understand, and, and trust me, not only would you know who those good people are and those judges are that really do care, all the lawyers know, too. Mm. All the lawyers know exactly which judges are like that. And you know what? There are some judges that are terrific at it, absolutely terrific at it. And there's some judges that, you know, are a little challenged by it. Um, but uh, you really do know the ones that care. And in and, and my world, you know, I keep going back to the drug court part of it. Uh, you know, the judge that was my, dr- my judge in the drug court courts when I was the prosecutor uh he and I had also been office partners at a point in time in my career and you know you just saw he was terrific at it absolutely terrific at it and you just saw that when our clients came in he cared they knew he cared uh and the affection the admiration the respect was absolutely there and it was amazing and you know one of the things that uh, that I like to talk about too with that, and I think I'll take this to, I know I'll take this to the bench, is when I was that prosecutor, you know, I came across clients that we had had in that court. And there were times when I was i was recommending sentences of people going to jail for a month, two months at a time, still being in the program and really recommending those sanctions. And you see these people down the road, months, years down the road. Matter of fact, there's one I remember specifically, I saw it years down the road and uh, just saw them in a grocery store. And he came up to me and said, you know, hey, I just wanna, it was Christmas Eve, I just wanna wish you Merry Christmas. He goes, and thank you. And Mm. that's what it's about, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, now, admittedly, you see so many people, it was difficult for me to place where I knew him from, but he was, he told me, he says, I was in your drug court. He goes, I just wanna thank you. Mm. And that's where that caring comes in, right? And those are the terrific experiences. And yeah, absolutely be the latter of the judges that you described. But I think that's a good example of of, of what's happened in my career that will let you know that that's how I'll be. You know, a lot of people uh,
0: talk about an efficient court. And, you know, if you're not in a courtroom, you don't really understand what that means. What is a, an
1: efficient court and how would you run an efficient court? So I think an efficient court. I'm assuming efficient court is good. An efficient court is very good. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> it's very good. Um, but I think, you know, that goes back to. Uh, everybody being on the same page and knowing when things are due, when thi- when you have to be at court, when motions have to be filed, when responses have to be filed, and holding everybody accountable to that, including the judge. You know, I was asked this question last week. You know, what would you do as far as uh, when motions are filed? You know, and when would you rule on those motions? <clears throat> uh, and it's important. I, and the answer I gave, and I gave it to, to a group of attorneys who were asking the question. I said, what's important is you know we give attorneys a time frame. Uh, the court system does when I say we, mm-hmm. that when you're in a civil case, you need to file motions by this particular date and that particular date and, and whatever the other dates are. Uh, and you get that litigation schedule and you're held to that litigation schedule. So everybody knows when those motions will be filed. Everybody knows when you've got to come back to court. Everybody knows when you've got a, a, another pretrial set uh, and things like that. It's important that the, the, the parties also know when the judge is gonna rule too. So yeah, I mean, when it comes to that, if you've got something doing by a certain date that the judge needs to rule on, I'll give you the date by which it'll be ruled on, and it'll be ruled on by that date, so you know exactly what's going on and where your case is at and how that case progresses. Because mm-hmm. look, and I keep going back to this, if you're in court on no matter what kind of case, is a civil case or a criminal case, it's the most important thing going on in your life, whether you're in that court that day or not, right? You may be there for one pretrial, it may be there for one hearing, but your case is still going on. Yep. You're going back home and that's still gonna be on your mind when you go to sleep and it's still gonna be on your mind the next day and it's still gonna be on your mind until that case is resolved. And the longer it goes on and the longer it takes to resolve that case, it doesn't help anybody. I mean, it, it wears on you. It wears on you financially, emotionally, right. your family, right? So making things efficient, and getting cases through the system as quickly as you can and as efficiently as you can and as fair as you can to all the parties. Uh, But people, I think, understand and respect and will will feel better about the situation that they're in if they understand the, the, what the timetable is and when you stick to that timetable.
0: Uh, full transparency. Me and you have had multiple, multiple conversations over the past couple of years. Right. Um, so, and so I know you a, a lot better than most people that are probably watching this know you. So I'm going to ask this for to you though, for everybody. It's like. People have been talking about judges, and you know, we heard judges come in late, you know, cancel certain things, even though people have been waiting in the courtroom and so on and so forth. Basically, nobody's holding judges accountable. Who holds you accountable? Who holds you, Ray, accountable?
1: I hold myself accountable.
0: And and how are we going to assure that you hold yourself accountable?
1: You know, I think. No, I know, I know, by staying out in the community, staying transparent, staying engaged, uh. You know, I, I've said this as well uh, out on the campaign trail. You know, this is a job that you're hiring us for, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. A job with a tremendous responsibility that we already talked about. But with any job, uh, you get reviewed, don't you? Whether it's a six month review or an annual review, mm-hmm. uh, there really isn't that for a judge or for an elected official. You know, judge's term is for six years. So you hire, if you were to hire me for six years, the next real review I've got is at the ballot box in six years, right? right? But I think what's important is to stay then engaged in the community and holding me accountable. So, you know, we're out there meeting people at community events. We're out now while we're, while we're campaigning. We're out there uh, meeting people at Democratic club meetings and things like that. So, to continue to do that and to continue to be responsive uh, to people's concerns. And any questions. So if you hear of, of I'm handling a case and that case is in the news or you hear through the grapevine what's going on in my court, you're also going to see me out in the community where you're going to have an opportunity to ask me about and hold me to the promises that I'm making now about how I'm going to run that court. Mm-hmm. So I hold myself responsible. But, you know, I think, like I said, any judge, you don't get that review until six years in the ballot box. But the one thing I'm going to promise you and, and everybody out there is that you'll see me out in the community. you see me out at those meetings often. Maybe not as often as we're out there now, because we're out there three, four nights a week. We see
0: you a lot, Ray. Yeah, <laughs> we see um, you a lot.
1: But you'll, but you'll certainly see me. You'll certainly see me, and hopefully you'll see me and my, and my colleagues uh, out there uh, two, three, four times a year mm-hmm. out at your meeting, right? So that you can do that that review, that six month review, that quarterly review of the job that I'm doing, and ask me those questions. This next question
0: is going to be about the court and, and about cases that you're going to see. And uh, one of the biggest questions that we have right now or discussions that's being had right now is because of this prosecutor race and the idea of bind overs and convicting minors as adults. How do you view that process? I know some are mandatory, so you don't have a right. choice there, Some, but some are discretionary. How do you view that
1: process, and how are you going to run that in your court? Well, what we're talking about is mandatory and discretionary bindovers are coming from the juvenile court side. When the, by the time they get to where I would be, those decisions would have already been made. Mm. Uh, so if they have that bindover, so you know, I think there's an, an opportunity.
0: So, so just to clarify, you in the position that you are looking to be elected for doesn't have any. Um, I guess influence on that process. Not at the very beginning, no. Okay, not at the very beginning. So when they come, when when that person comes to you, you already know it's either a discretionary or mandatory, and or you are going to be sentencing a minor to X money. Well, years. that
1: case that case comes into our court. I don't know where that case is going to go. Okay, okay, I right, understand. Time, right, uh, but but those initial decisions, right, of whether it's it's a discretionary binder start start in juvenile court. Gotcha. Okay, Understood. all those initial decisions. Um, but if I think it goes back to what we we're talking about with being involved in the community, and it also goes back, to, I think to, to the drug court part too, right? So yeah, there are when it comes to sentencing, whether it's a minor or whether or whether it's a minor that has been bound over to be be uh, tried as an adult, mm-hmm. uh, or whether it's an adult. Yes, there are certain things that certain guidelines that you have that are mandatory guidelines that you have. But there's also some some room in some cases to, for some discretion as far as uh, what I like to call being creative. Mm-hmm. OK, and there are creative opportunities, I think, <clears throat> in sentencing that you can utilize. Uh, I think there are some opportunities to to try and ensure that people don't get come back into our court. And I keep going back to the drug court part. But, you know, when we talk about being creative, uh, it's not just sentencing individuals, I think. Uh For the punishment of a particular crime but i think in certain cases and it depends on which cases there are right but there may be an opportunity sometimes to to uh to put some some uh demands on individuals uh that really will help them along the road i'll give you an example so part of what we did uh, when our programs was we took a holistic approach to working with individuals that were in our drug courts. And the holistic, holistic approach was you know, we're not just dealing with, with the substance abuse issue that our clients had, uh, but we're also dealing with other issues that, that help to support people staying clean and sober and mm-hmm. staying on that right mm-hmm. path and not coming back and, mm-hmm. and what are some of those issues you know some of those issues are uh, tr- having a driver's license and, and, and the and access to, to transportation right. having a, a job right uh, right. Um, uh, having a, an education or a ged those are all things that are that are part of what i, I call like a holistic approach right right that some individuals i think could, could benefit from and i think it's that creativity that that uh, i experienced and i learned in that particular uh, aspect that that'll help
0: you know i'm really happy you said that because that was one of my questions to the uh, the other judges is is i know that you have some flexibility as a judge to not just throw the book at somebody or put them on probation there is a whole I guess, tool belt that you could use mm-hmm. to make sure that people get into, uh, aren't repeat offenders and right. go on the right path and make sure that you're trying to structure their life in a way that there's, you know, more to it than what, why they're in that court. Mm-hmm. And so I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, you know, a lot of judges always talk about, you know, how you're going to be fair and how we're going to work so, you know, but, you know, work to make sure we're, being you know re- reducing the sentences or you know it, it, there's there's a lot of like talk about be as fair as you can be and how you're gonna be so understanding and t- all these things as a judge but are you prepared to throw the book at somebody put them away for life you have to i mean this is you on the bench saying your life is done because of the thing you did it's right. over you're going to jail for life are you prepared to do that
1: yeah you know so there are some people that come into the system that as i said before they really don't Belong there. Mm-hmm. They're there because of, of challenges that they're also facing. But there are just some people that are, are not very good people. Right. Right. Not very good people. And the fact of the matter is, that does have to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is part of the legal system. And where do you make the distinction?
0: And that's a very, look, I, I should have went to law school. I've told this many, many times on many, many podcasts. but. Where do you make that distinction? Where somebody did something so bad, but you can you know that it's probably not who they are as a person. But then there's somebody that did the same thing that you know, you're just that you're just you just can't come back out.
1: Yeah, you know, and and I think it goes back to trying to figure out, you know, from the evidence that's been presented in the case that you've got uh, from a pre-sentence investigation. Uh, that, that is that is done that kind of gives you the background on the person mm-hmm. uh, from statements from the victims from statements from the defendant themselves if they want to make a statement and, and trying to make that that better assessment but you know I think it also goes back to something we said, said earlier and it's about having those life experiences and having that experience you know I, I have I have had literally thousands of clients uh, over the course of my career in thousands and thousands of different situations uh, and it's being able I think to, to use that experience both the, the experience in, uh, in practicing law and the experience in life to, uh, to be able to make those kind of judgments.
0: Right. Uh, this is my last question, and it's something that I've asked all the judges because this is the one that kind of I think about the most. I understand that you have to make hard choices, mm-hmm. but you're also going to see a lot of things that most people aren't ever going to see in their life. And not only are you going to see it once, you're going to see it over and over and over and over again. The most heinous crimes... The most the, the most heart-wrenching stories the most broken
1: families how are you gonna deal with that mentally you know I I think the way I've dealt with it throughout my entire career because I've seen those things already right right um, you know I've I've, I've experienced that uh, as much as I personally can by being involved either as representing those people uh, or or having them uh, in my my court uh, as uh, as clients in in the drug courts uh, but I've seen a I've seen a lot of bad things over the course of 28 years uh, and seen people obviously not at their best, because if they were at their best, they probably wouldn't be in court. Right. Um, But and again, I'll I'll keep going back. You know, I went I'll go back to the drug court issue again. You know, there's two things I remember taking from that. Uh, I remember one time there was uh, there were two two sisters, two young ladies who were sisters in our court, and uh, there was nothing left that we could do as far as treatment was concerned for them. I mean, everybody, and I think people that understand this that have gone through this, you know, people who are, are challenged with, with addiction, uh, you really need to hit your own personal rock bottom, whatever that may be, before you can truly, truly uh, go through the process of, of, uh, of recovery. Uh, and this young lady and her sister just had not not done that. Uh, and I remember the judge who uh, was the one I referenced earlier had been my former office partner. One of the comments he made was, uh, he goes i really hope the next time i don't see you is in the pages of the obituary column
0: Hmm.
1: and that kind of hits you right that kind of hits you because it's somebody that that is you know in their early 20s late teens early 20s uh and and it goes back to the other comment i wanted to make which was you know we have so many opportunities so many so many tools that we can help people with uh but if they're just not ready for that uh and people have to go to prison then you kind of wonder all right, you know, where are they going to get that help from? Because we've got so many tools here, and, and it just isn't working. And that comes back, and that is heart wrenching. Mm-hmm. That is heart wrenching uh, to know that you know individuals that you are affecting the rest of their life with with what you're recommending, or in case of being a judge, with what what you're sentencing. And that is a tough thing to do. Um, but I think you you, you need to. I think you need to understand and, and see that as, as difficult as those issues are you know there are some times when you can also truly make a great positive difference in somebody's life as well and as hard as some of those other decisions that you have to make are that are you know not, not ones that we're necessarily going to be happy with um there are a lot of good that you can do right. for people that come through the court system and, and for the community.
0: Ray Terrasik, do me a favor and tell everybody where they can find you, your website,
1: donate to your campaign, or volunteer to help you out. Uh, so it's www.terrasikforjudge.com. How do you spell that? T-A-R-A-S-U-C-K. Okay. Uh, sounds like uh, uh suck and, you know what you it looks pro- like Terra sounds like terassic. terassic you can pronounce it however you want as long as you <laughs> long as you vote for it man It's okay with me so
0: it's it's uh com. Mm-hmm. yep yes sir and you can find your act blue there you can find places to volunteer as well all on your website that's right
1: on the website you can follow the website you can google it you can find me on facebook how, whatever you want to do, yep. There's a place on there to sign up if you want to. If you want to help,
0: and if you want to meet him in person, you probably just go to any Democratic club meeting. You're probably going to be there.
1: Look on the Democratic calendar, find <laughs> a Democratic club, and I'll probably
0: be there. Ray, thanks for coming in. I appreciate you. Thank you, man.